Geeks and Nerds presents Publishing Insider. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. You're listening to the new Publishing Insider spin-off series where we talk to publishing insiders to give you an in-depth insight into the secret business of publishing. We are hosts for this series, Danny V and author Adrian Beck. Oh, yes. And Fremantle Press is a proudly not-for-profit team who bring uniquely Australian stories to the world. Established in 1976, Fremantle Press is renowned for producing quality works of fiction, non-fiction, poetry and children's literature. Their core purpose is to identify talented new and emerging Western Australian writers and artists and to publish and distribute this work to the widest possible audience. Kate Sutherland is the production and publishing coordinator at Fremantle Press. And in 2006, she was appointed publisher of children's and young adults books. And Claire Miller is the marketing and communications manager for Fremantle Press. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks for having us. Very exciting to catch up with Fremantle's finest, as they're known in the industry. But I wonder if you guys would uh, be nice enough to tell us about your roles within the uh, within Fremantle Press. Maybe, Kate, we could start with you, if that's okay. So I'm the children's and young adult publisher. So I look after all the books from babies right through to 18 plus. Um, and we do, uh, depends a little bit from year to year, but between 8 and 12 books a year across the range of ages. That sounds fantastic. Uh, what about uh, Claire? Can you give us a little bit of an insight into your role, Claire? Um, my job is really to be the conduit between the author and the rest of the world. Oh. So it's my job to find out um, what the markets might be for the book, think about the right messages to reach the people out there, um, and then work out which medium to do that in. That's yeah, well. fairly uh, impressive. Bit of pressure, that job. Not at all. Love rejection. <laughs> yeah. So there's rejection on both sides of the of the uh, publishing experience, the uh, authors and the publishers. So there you go. Everyone gets their dose of rejection, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is great to hear. Now um, we touched on this just before, Kate. So uh, roughly, how many books does Fremantle Press uh, publish a year? And can you give us roughly, I know you do, you're across all the, all the kids from babies all the way through to teens, but um, is it across all sorts of different genres? Yep, absolutely. So we've got, um, we've got a non-fiction list which covers memoir and um, social history and a whole range of general non-fiction. Um, and we've got the adult fiction list, so uh, which is crime and, um, and literary fiction and also poetry list for adults and then the kids list. And Claire has to market them all. She does. She has the hardest job. <laughs> Absolutely. We want to talk about some of your authors, and some of the authors are friends of the pod. We have, you know, our much-loved friend Holden Shepherd, uh, Georgia Richter, Rebecca Higgy, Shirley Mars, Dave Warner, all who have generously given me their time. But we wanted to ask you, is there something that defines a Fremantle author? I think... I mean, because our core purpose is new and emerging and Western Australian, and that's our focus, I guess what we get, and I wouldn't say this defines Fremantle Press authors, but we certainly get a lot of authors who are on their first book or very early in their careers. And so our job and, and what we tend to be doing at Fremantle Press is helping train them in a sense, giving them opportunities, their first opportunities often, um, and making sure that they feel confident to go out there in the world um, from their, their early books. I'm not sure that there's any definition of an author, but I would certainly say that most of 
our people are very community spirited. They're very supportive of one another. I think that coming from Western Australia, um, they definitely want to make sure that you know they're talking to one another and and helping each other and their and their careers as much as possible. Um, and of course, they're just you know the most talented. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's. There's no bias. There's no state-based bias there. They just are <laughs> the most talented. Hey, I wanted to ask you actually, and you mentioned this, um, the supportive community, because I watch from afar, from over here in Melbourne. I see all the posts from uh, the Squibby WA is very, very active, and the and the Yay for Y uh, WAYA is also uh, becoming a thing, which is awesome. Uh, it's such a com supportive community. Um, what do you put that down to, Kate? Is there a is there just a gene within the uh, within the <laughs> WA people that uh, that mean that they want to help each other and see them all succeed? How, how does that all work over there? I think it's more to do with a really long-standing tradition of just that generosity spirit and authors everyone's had a first book and the authors that i know here all tend to want to give back to the community that has helped them and help the new authors out so there's that real passing it on kind of ethos and they are incredibly generous and supportive of each other mm. They are, and they always show up at each other's uh, launches, and they're always uh, retweeting each other's stuff, which is really great to see. And I, I think it's terrific. It's a great part about the WA scene. Um, you mentioned dealing with and and uh, signing up emerging authors. What are some of the challenges of working with authors that are, well, let's say, uh, just bursting into the scene? I think sometimes it's a it's a case of dealing with expectations. So that because authors will come from they've been sitting at their desk writing basically in solitude and it's a bit more active now with social media and then suddenly they're thrust out under Claire's wing to um, suddenly be these outward spokespeople for the book and I think that can be really challenging in particular first time around. Mm. Claire could tell you a bit more about that. I think to I think every author to just to be able to get a book out every author has to believe in themselves and has to believe that their book's going to be the bestseller of the year. Um, and so it's a very tricky kind of balance to keep people buoyant and excited and happy about having their book out while also managing expectations and making sure that people understand that there's 20,000 books coming out this year in Australia and we have quite a small market. So do you know what I mean? It's that I think that's where you know, it's you have to be a little naive, I think, to publish a book um, or just bloody-minded. I'm not sure which of you. <laughs> I like um, that. Yeah, so it's that managing of staying, keeping them excited about the little day-to-day -day things so that they do a really good job in their promotion but also managing the expectation of exactly how hard it is to sell a book in a very um, flooded market. Mm. Claire, what's the first thing you would sit down with these emerging authors? They've just got their deal. The book's about to come out. What's the number one tip or one of the first things that you would say to them uh, to ensure that you set them on the right, right path? I think, it's, I think it's a really good idea to find like-minded people and think about who your audience is. It's not enough to just write a manuscript. You need to be thinking about who might be reading it, but also who might be buying that manuscript. Hmm. So I would start by befriending your local bookseller. I'd go and introduce myself to the librarian. I'd look at getting onto social media and, and starting to bring people along for the journey on social media. 
Um, you identify your strengths. If you know that you're absolutely terrible on camera, um, then go and get yourself some training uh, in things like that. Um, and you can be doing that even before you have a contract. You don't have to wait for the contract. Mm. And, in fact, you're probably more likely to get a contract if you're sort of ahead of the game, especially on social media as well, and start developing an audience before you've even got that contract. You know, with the flooded market of books, social media is kind of flooded as well too. So I guess you need to, it's hard, tricky to build your audience. It is, and it takes a while. And that's why I would recommend starting early. And also it's a good idea to be out there sort of making mistakes on social media fairly early before, before, <laughs> you, before it matters. You know what I mean? You can really try a lot of stuff early on. Um, you can think about what your author brand might be or the kinds of things you might want to share, the kinds of things you don't want to share. Um, and also getting in touch with the community. That takes a very, very long time to go and comment on people's posts, to go and like all the booksellers and to go and see online events with booksellers and tune in to people like you as well. So it takes time to be a community member. So start as soon as you can, I think. Mm. How often would you have vaguely had an idea? Maybe this is, maybe Kate might be able to answer this one, but how often would you have vaguely had an idea of someone and that they're emerging and that, that, that they're putting uh, themselves out there on social media? How often would you have known of them before you actually signed them? And how often would you have to introduce yourself to them? It's a bit of a mixed bag because we, sell, we um, accept unsolicited manuscripts. So people can come to us out of nowhere, basically, as long as they meet our criteria. So some people come from there. Some people come um, from word of mouth of other authors that we have and other people, yeah, we've pinpointed and pursued. So it's a little bit of a combination of the lot. It's mm. mm, very interesting. But it's, it's about the work ultimately, is it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You can talk the talk, but it doesn't mean you can necessarily write it. <laughs> That's comforting at least. But what are, you, what are you looking for? I mean, you're open to submissions and I, I saw that on your website uh, specifically for people that live in Western Australia, so you really support the community. But what are you looking for in a manuscript? A good idea, something original, great writing, commercial, everything that I've just said? Everything that you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for us, it usually starts with the story, so a really great story. And when we're going through the manuscripts, it's those ones that, that pop out and you just have to keep reading. You can't just put them down and you just there's something there. They really do stand out. Okay, if I was to get a WA post office address, or like a PO, <laughs> PO box, I should say, um, and put that on my application, would that cut the mustard? Claire would flush you out in a bit of an eye. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Claire does a screening process. I'm, I'm savvy. Like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> I see. <laughs> hey, people like um, uh, Christy Byrne. Christy Byrne is excellent on camera and is terrific in person and and all that sort of thing. Uh, I wonder if um, if that obviously that helps when you're pitching work because you can say you know i can i can present to a school audience and i can uh, i can talk on radio and all that sort of thing but as danny says um that only goes so far i imagine it does we i mean christy is a fantastic dynamic personality but she's also a really terrific writer yes she's and the package she, she and she's very responsive to feedback and um is is happy to work and keep working and keep working on the writing to get it just as crisp and perfect as it should be. Mm. So she's really, yes, she is a fantastic presenter, but she's also a really terrific author. 
<laughs> and that's what matters. Now, do you reject work that's good but just isn't fitting in with the market at the moment or you've got too many crime novels at the moment? Like how do you deal with that? We try and have a balance across the list um, and, and Claire will talk to this too because it, it part of it is the having enough product basically because, you know, you have this sales performance and what have you that you need to meet but also creating a well-rounded list that fits with our ethos. We'll also look at what else is in there in the market and see what might be in competition with that. Um, if there's a lot of books that have just come out in a similar vein, then we may look at whether or not we bring it out, whether we, or not we might want to bring it out earlier or um, those kinds of discussions. Um, but ultimately, if the publisher loves the work and just has to have it, then we just have to work with it. Basically, I think as a small publisher, <laughs> I mean, as a small publisher, we have that luxury. Um, and there's been, I'm not going to tell you which books, but there's been a couple of books where I've said no, and we've, we've gone ahead and done it anyway. And the books have done fine. And it's just, that's just how it is. Um, so do the books themselves, obviously, this is a terrific, it's a terrific um operation for the local WA scene but do the books themselves have to have a WA flavour or could they be set anywhere around the world as long as it's a WA creator? They can be set anywhere. The connection is, is the author's connection to Western Australia rather than the story's connection. So mm. a lot of them are set in Western Australia but not all of them by any means. So what can a writer do besides, um, I mean you've talked about social media presence, you've talked about a good manuscript, is there anything else a writer can do besides living in Western Australia as well <laughs> to gain representation with free Mentor Press? Not a post office box, Adrian. I'm moving. I'm moving, Danny. <laughs> I'm just going to move there. All right. See ya. <laughs> Part of the reason we were created in the first place back in the 70s because there was a really significant divide and it was very difficult for West Australian authors to get published because everything happened on the East Coast and that we just weren't considered. Um, so we were started to, to try and redress some of that balance and some of our early authors like Elizabeth Jolly really brought Western Australian writing up into the, the forefront of Australian publishing. Um, so that's a really important part of who we are is that Western Australian connection. But if you were born here and you happen to be living in Melbourne now, that would still make you qualify. <laughs> Not Adrian, still don't qualify, mate. Don't qualify. You can't just come here on holiday. I'm not sure I'm going to get across the line on this one, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. <laughs> so are we ready for our disguised voice question, Adrian? We are ready for the, our anonymous author question. And this is how we end all our Publishing Insider uh, episodes. And this is with a question, a hard-hitting question. Uh, from an author who prefers to remain anonymous, uh, and this is a this is particularly a question uh, directed at our wonderful friends here at Fremantle Press. So, uh, are you are you ready to face the <laughs> the anonymous author question? They're shaking their heads. <laughs> okay, here we go. Fremantle Press is well known and well regarded for being an incubator press that has launched the careers of many Australian authors. What are some of the debut novels that you feel particularly proud to have published on your list? What are some of the debut novels that you feel particularly proud to have published? Oh, well, two very recent ones would be Holden Shepherd's Invisible Boys and Rebecca Higgy's The History of Mischief. I think I 
both completely different mm. novels but both really wonderful in their own right. Absolutely, and wonderful authors they are. And it's lucky you said it's lucky you said the you said Holden because uh, we have a little uh, reveal here that um, it's the uh, first fact, time we've done a reveal. Yeah. yeah, who actually who actually sent in that question? G'day guys, it's Holden Shepherd here. <laughs> I hope you answered me. If not, Orkies uh, mostly for me. Cheers. <laughs> it wasn't Orkies. It was totally fine, Holden. Uh, <laughs> They uh, they love you there at Fremantle Press. Um, and can you give us an out? I know Invisible Boys has recently been uh, optioned, and so we might actually be seeing this that on the screen. But uh, for those that haven't caught up with both of those works, could you just give us a quick uh, synopsis of what those books are all about? Oh, Claire, you can do the elevator. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> These are your books. <laughs> you could do one each. <laughs> Well, Invisible Boys is an own voice story. It's about four young men growing up in a small town in Geraldton. Um, each of them are gay, but they haven't come out yet. And they're living in a town that's pretty rough and not very excited about the idea that there might be um, alternative people living amongst them. And so it's about how each of those boys um, deal with their relationships. It's about finding one another. And yeah, it's a really exciting read and a really beautifully written book that keeps you going from page one all the way through to the end. Mm, yeah, absolutely. True. And our great Everything mate, Holden Shepherd, he's behind <laughs> that one. He's a legend. <laughs> Thank you for getting involved, Holden, too, by the way. Um, and now, you're the yeah. only author who actually wanted to reveal Reveal themselves, <laughs> yes. He's a very revealing man, Holden. <laughs> And Rebecca Higgy, you're going to give us a rundown of her gorgeous book? Yes, all right. The History of Mischief is it's this fantastically multi-layered story. It starts with um, a young girl and her sister. Their parents have been killed in this terrible car accident and they're sort of struggling to keep going with life. And one of the ways the elder sister um, start, they find this book under the floorboards in their grandmother's old house um, and they start reading it together and it's the history of mischief and it's this, it goes across continents and time periods and takes you through and the linkage is the mischief that's something that each the narrator of each story can do that's kind of magical but not exactly magical um, and they alternately between the stories research the real stories that are going on around it and then you get to the end of the book and you find out the whole grand reveal of the story their story and where things have come from so mm, clever and i remember terrific. speaking to rebecca it took her so many years to write that because it is a really complex book but beautiful and i love how the the two books you described are very very different books i like that because you know they're they're books for everyone mm. so if you're in wa uh, officially, legally, uh, for all <laughs> intents and purposes. Uh, how do we get involved with the wonderful Fremantle Press? Um, are submissions open right now or the, will they be open in the future? Or or what, what's, what are our first steps here? Our submissions are open most of the year. We close just a little tiny window at Christmas so we can all just have a holiday. Um, <laughs> but otherwise they're open year-round and, um, and we're always really delighted to see work from new authors. And also um, start preparing now if you are a debut author for the Hungerford Award, Ooh, City yes. of Fremantle Hungerford Award. It will open again next year and that's a nice 
tidy $15,000 for a day wow. manuscript. Lovely. Um, yeah. Or if you really think it's going to take a while, in two years' time the Fogarty will reopen and that's $20,000 oh, as wow. long as you're under 35. So um, there's a couple oh. of really good opportunities. Again, Adrian was packing his bags. He's like, oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Now I've got to change my birth certificate? Yeah. No. There's also, yeah, there's also one more thing that you can do. And yes. That is to get involved in your local um your local writing centre because we will be restarting the Emerging Writers Program again, which runs for two years and is about the business side of being a writer. And so I'm just going to hold up the book. So it's oh, like yes. in person behind the scenes um, around this book. Look, I've even got, I'm actually reading from my own work here. <laughs> You've got post-it notes, post-it notes all through the book. That's a glorious book. I interviewed Georgia about that book and it's just so useful at any point in the publishing, uh, you know, time period of where you're up to you can just flick open that book it's so useful it's really yeah. great. awesome wow that's Fremantle press so the the fogarty and the and you can also enter the was it was it the hunger games what was the other one <laughs> <laughs> the hunger games yeah <laughs> is that one that wasn't that hungerford hungerford the yeah. only way adrian can get into Fremantle is by going through the hunger games we'll do that <laughs> watch him do that okay if i do that i'm in okay <laughs> thank you so much for your time kate and claire we love getting these little insights and i'm such a big fan of Fremantle. i love doing crossovers with you guys and, and supporting you even as far away from sydney i really like to support you guys i think you're doing a great job with such quality uh, manuscripts coming out so thank you so much for your time thanks danny thank Absolutely. you we love Fremantle. Thanks, Adrian. <laughs> we do too. <laughs> <laughs>